Hello and welcome. Greetings from the Offensive Security Group here at Secure IT 360. Uh, it is Friday, so it's time for our weekend review. Uh, for those of you that are new here, every week our offensive security team tracks, uh, researches, and analyzes threats, vulnerabilities, and exploits with the uh, ultimate goal of keeping you up to date on what is what in the cyber world for that week. And so we picked out a couple of cool things to talk about this week. And, you know, uh, our ultimate end game here is to make you a little bit more prepared tomorrow uh, than you were yesterday. So today, of course, you have myself, Brad, and also Spencer from the offensive security team. Spencer, how's it going, man? Hey, Ben. How's it going? Been a awesome. good week. Been busy. But yeah. uh, been a good, good thing. Yeah, yeah. We we actually had some some really cool offensive stuff going on this week with with unique pen tests, which I think are always fun, uh, and unique findings. Um, I know this isn't on the script, but this just popped into my head, and I want to talk about it for a second. I have never, in all of my years of web app pen testing, seen a uh, open redirect successfully exploited in the wild <laughs> to, to to you know to any like real end game, right? Right. And we we were doing uh, OSINT and and we were doing Google Foo stuff, right? And and we found where uh, nefarious websites were leveraging a misconfigured WordPress vulnerability to leverage the reputation of that site, the victim site, to elevate their own reputation. Yeah. And so when a legitimate site links to another site, the site that it's that's being linked to kind of like gleans off reputational points and it, it lets them rise in um, SEO or search engine optimization. Yep. And and it was super cool. This this particular company was not in the in the pornography business, obviously. And uh and and they had a ton of that stuff that was, you know, showing up in Google search results as a, a directly linked from their site. And it came down to a, a open redirect. Yeah. That's something so, you definitely, uh, definitely so cool. don't like getting the the call when, when you find something like that on a pen test, if you're a client or yeah. even as, as a pen tester, that's a, that's an uncomfortable thing to be like, Hey guys, by the way. Yeah. Um, right. It's like, yeah. it's an awkward thing. It, it, it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when these are like, you know, straight laced business dudes. Right. And you're just like, mm -hmm. Hey, by the way, <laughs> you guys might want to check out what Google says about your website. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I don't know why that popped into my head, but you know, it has been a fun week. We've had some neat things yeah. happen. But, uh, it's always interesting in the pen testing world. So. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. And this week, uh, there's been some exciting news. Uh, last couple of weeks, there's been some exciting developments. Uh, and I say exciting, I guess if you're on the receiving end of these things, uh, maybe not so, right? Uh, the first one that we're going to talk about is is phishing, particularly in the form of phishing that includes MFA bypass. So there was some research in an article by ReSecurity uh, who kind of did some analysis uh, and observed the uh, a, a new phishing kit, I guess, uh, that's being uh, advertised on the dark web, on you know, nefarious forums, uh, and is being sold. Uh, they call it evil proxy. I guess that's the name of, uh, this phishing kit. And it's, they're calling it phishing as a service with MFA bypass. And, uh, I'll bring this up on my screen for those who are, are watching, uh, along at home. And if you're listening to the audio, uh, on something, uh, and just the audio, feel free to hop over to YouTube 
we show yeah. some of the the websites and stuff that we're going through when we go through these articles. Yeah, but content warning, you have to look at our ugly mugs if yeah. if you go over to the YouTube website. So <laughs> definitely. It's a it's a it's a terrible thing. Yeah, it's a it's a give and take thing, right? Yeah. Uh so yeah, so this evil proxy uh phishing as a service uh is essentially bundling all of the nice things that attackers would want from a phishing and MFA bypass reverse proxy perspective and cookie injection, uh, as it says in the article, it's bundling it all up into one and puts it in a nice GUI. Uh, and uh, it looks really nice. Like it looks, it reminds me a lot of GoFish, if you're familiar with that. I am, yeah. That, uh, it looks really nice. It seems to be well designed from kind of a, a UI perspective. And essentially the TLDR here is there is now a phishing kit in the wild that is a one-stop shop for phishing, reverse proxy, MFA bypass, you know, OTP, you know, token stealing, cookie injection, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it's a one-stop shop for phishing for threat actors, which is a pretty big deal because um, we haven't got there yet. Uh, there's other things that try to replicate each piece of that, like verse proxy and the phishing part, but now it's all bundled into one. So kind of interesting thing, something to, to pay attention to and look out for. Yeah. And, and this is a conversation um, we have probably more often than, uh, than I would want to. And that is that people think MFA is the silver bullet. And, and, you know, once I MFA things, man, I'm good. The lid is on and, and, and there's no way anybody's going to get around it. And, yeah. and a lot of people, I think, maybe don't fully understand how web applications handle sessions. And, and you know, for those of you listening that, that aren't super familiar with how web apps work, you know, you, you go through an authentication process and the way that your web browser presents itself as authenticated to a web server is, is using a session, right? And a session is just usually a, a randomly generated series of numbers and letters that represent you to the web server as who you are, right? So when you go to like, say, for example, wire money at your bank's online banking website, your pres- that, that session token is the only thing you have that proves you are who you say you are. And anybody that has that session token, caveat, unless there are mitigations in place, mm-hmm. uh, can, can be you. And especially if, if you're being proxied, your traffic's being proxied, um, then the bad guys can just steal your session and, and, and become you, uh, as far as that bank knows. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a dangerous thing. You know, MFA is not a silver bullet for, for everything anyway. Yep. Yeah. And like I said, kind of the, the, uh, the reason this is, is going to be so impactful is it puts this reverse proxy thing, uh, into one singular kit. And like I said, there's things like evil engine X, there's proxies that are designed to help with, you know, phishing assessments, uh, and, and things like that. And now it's all bundled into one. So again, uh, this lowers the barrier of entry for threat actors, right? It makes it more, uh, it makes it a lot easier for somebody who is not as technical or as a script kitty or something like that to just spin this up and start firing away, uh, at their target. So lowers the barrier of entry, uh, makes it easier for threat actors um, to perform this type of phishing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's no shortage of news articles uh, about how this has happened in the past. With Twilio recently, we talked about that. The attempts on Cloudflare, uh, Okta, you name it, there's mm-hmm. been a, a, a phishing attack that has used this approach. 
uh, and this will only increase in the future. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. So, um, yeah, a couple of mitigations I think are important to talk about. Um, one is uh, MFA number matching. So instead of using the traditional uh, OTP, one-time code, one-time PIN, or one-time passcode, you can use something called MFA number matching uh, if you're using Microsoft. And essentially what that is is when you get prompted for MFA, there's a number that gets displayed on your screen. It's like 86 or 93 or whatever. And you put that number in into your authenticator. And then if that number matches, you're authenticated, right? Now yeah. that in and of itself is not completely fish-proof, right? There's ways to, to spoof that uh, or to you know get in the middle of that um, and, and fish users from that code. But it's better than than the alternative of just straight OTP. Mm -hmm. The other thing is conditional access, right? Making sure they have good conditional access policies in place so that if, so that users are not logging in from, you know, Indonesia or, you know, you have things like impossible travel being detected. So having good conditional access policies can help mitigate this. FIDO tokens, you know, going beyond, if you want to go beyond uh, MFA tokens, like a authenticator on your phone, uh, something like a YubiKey would be really good. Now, solid. Now, there's not a there's not a widespread adoption of FIDO2 yet across the board. Not all applications support it and things like that. So there's mm -hmm. some complexities with that. But it is a good way to further harden your authentication system and and further prevent phishing attacks. Um, so that is a good good option as well. Sure. And and so we dealt with this problem in the banking industry. Right. And and so continuing on that example I was using earlier with regards to like a wire transfer and, and, and uh, spoofing a customer session ID because you stole it in their browser. Uh, we ran into that problem. Right. Very early on. We're talking 20 years ago. Uh, you know, people were getting fished and, and it wasn't just credentials. Right. They were stealing sessions. They were stealing creds and all that stuff. Uh, what we ended up doing, though, is we ended up implementing, I think, what you would call conditional access today. It didn't exist back then, but we we built a JavaScript um, toolkit that ran in the customer's browser, and it fingerprinted the system. And so, you know, it would look at things like browser version, screen resolution, uh, yep. and and so it would create a hardware fingerprint, and then that fingerprint was combined with the uh, UTC time. Um, of the request, and it was encrypted using a one-time key from the server before it was submitted in an HTTP request header. And so yep. you, you had you had three players involved, right? You had the server request code, which was required in order to encrypt, uh, or, or in order for the request to be decrypted by the server. The hardware ID, which was a a, a mashup of a bunch of different parameters and variables that existed locally, and then and then the time, and then and then the server would store those values and it would allow for small variances. For example, if your Chrome version went from 99.1 to 99.2, then uh, maybe that's not a big deal. Right. Yep. And we built thresholds and like, it was a really complex thing at the time. Nowadays it's probably antiquated technology, but the point is you have to be able to identify who they are and where they're coming from in some capacity outside of just sessions. Um, in order to defeat something like this. So, yep. 
And, uh, you know, good segue, if they do get in, right, and somebody does get access to a system, um, there are a handful of commands that threat actors overwhelmingly run. Uh, there's yeah. a handful of commands that are run, and they're notoriously uh, known uh, to be run by threat actors once they compromise a host to do things like recon or situational awareness, uh, to find out where they are, what network, mm-hmm. who they are, what permissions they have, all that sort of thing. And that leads us to our next article, which is from Thinks Canary, or Thinks, sorry. I uh, I uh, had the, the punchline after that. So uh, Thinks... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, thinks uh, they have what's called canary tokens, right? That's that's uh, they're what they're known for. Uh, they have created a sensitive command token, canary token, and what this is is if uh, if somebody runs commands, for example, who am I, or if somebody runs IP config, or whatever you know, insert whatever binary you want there you can now use canary tokens and create an alert when somebody runs that binary runs when somebody mm-hmm. runs that executable which is really really cool um and i think it's going to to help uh bridge the gap between some edr some antivirus tools and you know some common uh attack or tradecraft that they do once initial access is obtained yeah, so uh, I'm super familiar with Thanks. Uh, I've been working with them in some capacity for the better part of like 15 years. Uh, at every bank I was ever working at, we we deployed the so so they have they have I guess now three different products. One of their products is just called a Canary device, and it can take the it's it's an actual computer, and it simulates the uh, the profile of a particular type of system or multiple system. It's basically a honeypot, right? Yep. And they, they run on like a little raspberry Pi box, which you can order hardware that's USB powered and you plug it in your data center or plug it in your, you know, remote office. And, it, and, and if something tries to connect to it and, and acts evil, you know, you get an alert. And then they also have, uh, and those can be VMs as well. They also have um, tokens, canary tokens, which are, which is, I think, similar to what we're talking about here. These are canary tokens, but the old canary tokens were different. They were like Word documents that had, you know, uh, that would generate an alert if it was opened or, uh, you know, you could do all kinds of neat stuff, right? You could put it into an email and mark it unread in your inbox. And if it ever got opened, it would fire an alert to catch BEC, Um, stuff like that. This, though, this is super freaking cool, in my opinion, because... All of those other canaries um, were were definitely post initial access. In many cases, they were later stages of lateral movement or or sensitive uh, side exploit. Right. So um, this is really awesome because this this moves the 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 honeypot, if you will, closer to the bad guy. Yep. Yeah, closer on to the beginning of the attack chain. Right. Right. Um, and one of the things that's cool about this, and they describe this in their, you know, article, is a couple things. One is the executable doesn't need to be present on the system in order for this to work. So what's cool yeah. and interesting about that, and the example that they use in their article is, let's say uh, you want to have a canary token fire when something like AD find 
uh, is executed, mm-hmm. right? Or whatever, whatever exe or whatever executable that you want, it doesn't need to be present on the system. So this, uh, oh, that's this cool. Canary token exists in the registry, and it looks for when this executable is is uh, is run. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't have to be present in the system. And these uh, canary tokens are configured in such a way that you just create it once and you can deploy it across your entire uh, mm-hmm. you know, network of, of computers. So you create it once, deploy it with a group, G, group policy, GPO, uh, mm-hmm. and you've got now alerting on whatever executables you want very quickly, very easily, uh, and free. So, so there's no agent or anything that goes on the endpoint? It's literally just a, a, a .reg file? Yeah. Yeah, and it's really wow. cool. It uses so if you want to read the the details of kind of how this works under the covers, uh, it uses something uh, called uh, image file uh, image file execution options, and there's something yeah. called global flags. Um, and no what way. that does is, yeah, it's just a dot reg file. You upload it or you import the reg file, and then it's there. Um, and it's really cool. Like I said, uh, you can execute or you can catch execution of commands even if that binary or that executable doesn't exist on the host. So really cool, really cool stuff. Yeah, see, I would want to tamper with this a little bit, right? So I would want to include things that maybe aren't in the list, which it seems like once you have the template of the reg file, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would be looking for, for um, is, is PowerShell in there? <laughs> Uh, maybe I don't want to get notified every time it's run, yeah. but you know, th- I'm sure there's, there's some tampering that you could do with that to make it even more effective, but yeah, that's exciting. This is really, I, I love this stuff, man, to me, yep. you know, and we've talked about canaries on this show before we we've been caught by them on, mm-hmm. on, on purple teams. Um, I have caught pen testers, uh, you know, when I lived in the defensive world, um, and, and, and we have caught legitimate bad actors in our environment, you know, yep. it, it's also extre- extremely nice for insider threats. Yep. Um, so yeah, this is super cool, man. Yep. Yeah. I love it. Um, I'm a big fan of the canary tokens, a uh, big fan of things. Um, this is a really cool way to kind of combine offense and defense, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, active defense, cyber deception, whatever you want to call it. Um, this is a step in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's definitely, definitely more to, to come with this type of thing. There, this is a whole discipline in and of itself. Sure. Um, that you can get into, uh, and it does provide a lot of value and there's a lot of free tools and free resources to, to take this, uh, one step further. Yep. We're, we're actually in the process of negotiating with thinks to integrate them into our, uh, MSSP SOC here at security 360. We want to be able to leverage this technology because, you know, it's such a lightweight implementation, regardless of how you choose to implement it, whether it's a VM, physical device, canary token, or in this case, an endpoint token. Um, it, it, it's lightweight, it's inexpensive, and the true positive uh, rate is out, out of the roof, man. Like, yep. I, I think I think we had a false pause because you end up whitelisting scanners, right? So like if you run Nessus every week or every month or whatever, you whitelist that IP. And within the first two months of you running these these systems, you'll identify expected patterns of behavior and you whitelist them all in the Canary Cloud system. And so yep. after that period, pretty much everything's a true positive. Um, you know, so 
you know, it, it's just, again, return on investment. This stuff is cheap. It's easy. Yep. Once you tune it, it it's, it's bulletproof. And uh, I, I just can't stress how, how important it would be if you're yep. really trying to bolster your defenses to implement something like this. Because like I said, man, it's, the ROI is, is, is indisputable. Yeah. And it's really hard as a pen tester, as an attacker or simulated attacker, it's really hard to not open a document that says password.doc yes. Yes. on a file share. Like it's just, it's really hard to, to not open that document. Right. Yeah. I mean, so I agree. It's, it, it's, it, it's the same reason that, you know, the, the phishing attacks, you know, we, we leverage no before for phishing attack stuff for phishing training and, and, uh, and campaigns and stuff. And, and the things that say payroll or the things that say, you know, pending direct deposit, or if, if it has to do with juicy stuff like money or, or, or credentials or, or, you know, salaries is another big one that we've had some success with. Yep. You know, people are just super tempted, man. It's human nature. Yep. Yeah. So sweet, man. Good stuff. Absolutely. Um, you know, we'll go ahead and, uh, and wrap things up. You guys, if, if you, uh, enjoyed this week, please like share, you know, the biggest thing you can do to help us out is tell your friends, uh, so we can reach out, uh, to more folks. So, uh, otherwise go check out our uh, blog at offsec.blog. And, uh, you know, there's lots of good information over there as well. And we will talk to you next week. Have a good one.